When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. The snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's happening in the National Hockey League. Early second period, Avalanche lead the Flyers 1-0 in the first. No score between the Hurricanes and the Red Wings. Still to come tonight, the Blues and the Jets. They're getting underway shortly. 8 o'clock start for the Capitals and the Canucks. The Pittsburgh Penguins will take on your Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Of course, we have it for you on 6.30, Chad. The face-off show live from Studio 99 at 5.30, and the game will start at 7. The Edmonton Eskimos are 8-9 and nine on the season. They let another one slip away Friday night in B.C. 7.30 tonight, we'll have the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss, Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst will join us uh, th- uh, later on in the evening as well. And, of course, the game you pay attention to now for the Eskimos this Friday at 6.30, Calgary at Winnipeg. Winnipeg wins. Eskimos are done. Calgary wins. Eskimos will still have a chance at the playoffs because they play Winnipeg Saturday, November 3rd, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. So for the Eskimos to make the playoffs, they need Calgary to win this weekend and then obviously beat Winnipeg head-to-head on uh, Saturday, November 3rd. If Winnipeg uh, wins on Friday, it's done. Eskimos are out. So that's what we uh, will keep an eye on as we get you set for that. Uh, in cr- a classic, absolute classic game yesterday uh, at Commonwealth Stadium, junior football. The Edmonton Huskies beat the Regina Thunder 39-36 in overtime. A wild game. You're going to get the details later on from a guy who played in it, who played in the game, O'Shane Samuels from the Edmonton Husk- uh, Huskies. He had uh, a game he will never forget, so He'll tell the story about being involved in that. Uh, pretty cool stuff for him. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Ched, if you would like to get in touch, and I'm happy to hear from you, 6.30, 6.30 is the text line, the open line, 780-496-0063. I know there is a lot of uh, worry, a lot of concern, in some cases a lot of anger about the Edmonton Eskimos and uh, the Oilers, 3-3. Three and three. You can let me know what you thought about the game against Nashville. Are you encouraged, discouraged, or just kind of in the middle about this start to the season? Uh, I know from just talking to Oilers all over the summer, talking to some of you on air, talking to people just uh, in my day-to-day life, uh, you know, there was a lot of concentration on that um, 
first eight games of the season. Could the Oilers survive it? Would they get out of it with a decent record? Would they already be, you know, not not buried, but really playing uphill and uh, and playing catch-up? And I know a lot of people said if they can just get out of it 500, then, then maybe they'll be well-positioned to hang around. Well, if they win one of these next two games, they would be 500 after eight games. Obviously, over the course of a whole season, 500, not nearly good enough. Um, but... Uh, at least you wouldn't have already dropped out of it and uh, be playing catch-up for the entire season. So anyway, uh, some things to talk about as we move along. Monday Night Football. Tonight, New York Giants at Atlanta. That's about to get underway. The Edmonton Oil Kings won 6-3 against Kootenay yesterday. They will visit Kootenay on Friday. Man, what a stretch for the Oil Kings. They started 5-0, then they went 0-7-1 in their next eight games. Now they get back in the win column. Two goals each for Trey Fix-Wolanski and Andre Pavlenko yesterday at Rogers Place. And Jason Smith, former Edmonton Oilers defenseman, has been fired as head coach of the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, they were just 4-10 and to start the season, though Jason Smith's record the last two seasons in Kelowna was 88-44 and 7. So uh, really strong first two seasons for Jason Smith in Kelowna, but then uh, obviously a drop-off this year, so he is let go. We'll keep an eye on that story. All right, the Oilers back at practice today. They uh, they were off yesterday after the 3-0 loss to Nashville. The power play, which... You know, has has been okay. Uh, they obviously have got some big goals this season uh, in New York, in Winnipeg against the Boston Bruins for the home game. 0 for 4 against Nashville, plus allowed a shorthanded goal that turned out to be the game winner. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Well, the power play won us three games in a row, in my opinion. They uh, they stepped up against Nashville. We weren't as sharp. Uh, but I also thought we got impatient and uh, when you look at power play numbers, you're not going to score every night You're not going to score every power play Highly strung athletes expect that and they want that and they demand it from themselves, but we have to do a little bit better job of um, Mentally managing the opportunities and when it didn't go well, we we tried to stretch things out We tried to force things that weren't there and as a result we paid for it All right, so uh, that's how McClellan looks at the power play and, and again it had been pretty good 5 for 14 to start the season. So now it goes down to 5 for 18 with the shorthanded goal against. I, I know a lot of you are still skeptical about the five left-handed shots on the first unit. We will see how that works moving along. Uh, one of the right-handed shots who was on the second power play unit and maybe would have been an option to slide up to the first at some point is, is on injured reserve. That's Ty Ratty. Uh, Matt Benning also on injured reserve, so the injury bug starting to bite the Oilers here a little bit. Kevin Gravel is up from Bakersfield. He uh, was available for the game on Saturday, but did not play. Might see him tomorrow, though, against the Pens. There's a chance he'll get in tomorrow night. He was a very good player for uh, for Bakersfield. He was a calming influence on the blue line. He uh, obviously had some experience. Uh, he's a ranger, rangy D-man that can defend well because of his legs and his reach. And if he gets into the lineup, which is a good chance of that happening, he'll uh, he'll have to bring those attributes. Um, there should be a calmness to him. He's played enough in the, in the league with uh, a good defensive team to to uh, calmly fit in and, and produce. Up front for the Oilers, 
McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto staying together. Dreisaitl, Reader, and Pugliarvi. Strom was with Lucic and Cooper Marodi. And uh, then you had kind of five forwards cycling through. Brodziak, Kara, Cassian, Chason, and Kajula. Kajula maybe could be healthy enough to return tomorrow. We'll keep an eye on how things look at the morning skate. But the way they lined up today, it looks like Cooper Marodi will make his NHL debut tomorrow night. 21 years old, played for the University of Michigan, joined Bakersfield late last season. Uh, it was pretty decent, I thought, in, in, this, uh, in this preseason for the Oilers when he got into games. He is Bakersfield's leading scorer with two goals and six points in five games. Here's McClellan. He's played, again, he's another one that's played well in um, in Bakersfield. He's been a very smart player, intelligent, um, provided offense down at that level, and he's an offensive type player. Um, you know, we feel he's best down the center ice position. We may play him on the wing when he does get into the lineup. Uh, but, um, you know, some energy right now with some injuries to some of our right wingers or, or wingers, and um, you know, expect him to be productive as well. Excited. All right, Cooper Marodi, uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, could be with Stroman Lucic tomorrow as the Oilers face the Penguins. Of course, the uh, one and only visit of the season for the Penguins to Rogers Place. So Kelly Rudy's going to join us later on tonight as well. I'm going to ask him about, uh, as a player, what it was like for him to be part of these some of these big-name showdowns. I, I mean, Kelly Rudy was a teammate of uh, Dennis Potvin, of Mike Bossy, of Brian Trotche, and obviously of Wayne Gretzky in Los Angeles when, when he would have had head-to-head games against Mario Lemieux. So uh, I definitely want to get Rudy's perspective on that. And I also want to get Rudy's perspective on the Nashville Predators because that is a depressive team. They go into Calgary, they win 5-3, a little more offense in that game. They uh, they had to get the score up a little higher. And then against Edmonton, more of a, a tight-checking game, not as many chances, and they figure out a way to win in both games. I mean, they finished first overall last year, so we, we shouldn't be surprised uh, at, at what they're doing. But I, I thought they were pretty impressive to watch, and... Uh, they, better than anybody else in this young season, have been able to limit McDavid and really limit everybody. There were not a lot of clean looks for the Oilers at the net to pass the puck into the slot and Nashville able to apply a lot of pressure without getting uh, out of position. They're, they're a really good team. By the way, Kellen, I know you didn't work Saturday. Did you, did you see the, uh, the bullhead? I did. The Peter Laviolette bullhead? I went back and watched it uh, on Sunday morning on, online there. Man, that's, uh, th- you know what, that's that's cool. I don't mind when teams do that. Yeah, who says hockey coaches never have any fun? Right. And always give the cliches. If for some reason you haven't seen this, then Gene Principe had it out on Twitter right after the game. Peter Laviolette had a little friendly wager with his players. If they swept mm. Alberta, he would wear the, the bull mask. And it's a full head covering. Yep. Like, it's it's got the big, like, it's a full. I thought the coolest part about it was whenever he spoke, the bottom lip It moved, moved in unison. It moved. It, actually, it was like a mascot head almost, right? It actually looked like a talking bull. Anyway, uh, I guess Peter Laviolette will always be remembered for that. Maybe for coaching to a few wins as well, but certainly for that. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialists. Call 7804-FAMILY or you can go to FurnaceFamily.com. As I mentioned, Blake Dermott is coming up after the 6.30 news. We'll delve into some of the Eskimos issues. And when we get back, former Pittsburgh Penguin, now an analyst for the team, Phil Bork. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. 
listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. Oilers Penguins tomorrow night. As always, pleased to be joined by former Penguin, now an analyst for the team. It is our buddy Phil Bork. Phil, thanks for making time for me. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. Just uh, settling in. We just got in a little while ago. We uh, spent some time at the uh, lovely mountains of Banff and uh, had a little team bonding, team building, and uh, just made our way into uh, your lovely town. Now, uh, what what did you get to do in Banff? Does, uh, do you you don't get included on the the team bonding stuff, do you? Do you do broadcaster bonding? Well, I, no, 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 no. I don't. Uh, I don't cross those lines at all. The players are over here, and I'll be uh, over there. Uh, I did uh, embrace some of the finest uh, Alberta lager that uh, they have to offer in their uh, fine establishment. So uh, I had a couple of uh, beers, a couple of good dinners, um, spent a little time outdoors. It was actually uh, gorgeous out, good enough to golf. Unfortunately, the golf courses were closed up there, but uh, uh, look forward to going back when uh, maybe the golf courses are open. All right, good stuff. Uh, now, did they, did they go there right after the Toronto game? How long were they there? No, no, no. We stayed in Toronto for an extra day okay. uh, and practiced there and then uh, made our way. So just a, a kind of a weird schedule for the Penguins that just had a horrendous schedule last year with 13 of the first 19 who were on the road. They had six sets of back-to-back games. And, and now we have these gaps in the schedule where we played six games. But uh, I can't remember, Reed, the last time we had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off so early in the schedule. Yeah, it, it was pretty weird. The Penguins have played Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, then Tuesday, Thursday, uh, and now they're going to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. Did, did you did you like those gaps as a as a player, or were, was there a point where you know a couple of days in a row might be enough off? No, if you got maybe once a month, if you got three days off, that would be the most. Uh, every other day is a little much uh, when you have that. That rare week we have four games in six days. That could be a grind with travel, but uh, if you're playing every third day, that would be great in my book. Phil, obviously a tough injury for the Penguins. Justin Schultz uh, going to miss about four months with uh, the broken leg. Tell me how that's affected how they're lining up defensively. Well, you just can't replace a solid player like that. Uh, he is just going to rock defensively for us. and His offensive numbers read were down last year. He only had four goals, and surprisingly, I still can't even believe I'm saying this, he had zero power play goals, but he's a, he's a different player for the Penguins now. He just uh, takes care of his offensive, uh, excuse me, his defensive end and lets the offense kind of take care of itself, doesn't force it. Uh, to answer your question, we have a young player from Finland that's uh, fit in pretty nicely. His name is Yuso Rikola. He wears number 50 in your program, uh, and he's just a real good uh, all-around player. Not very big, but he's physical. Uh, not very strong, but he's got a big shot. But, uh, you know, just real quick, on the as far as the, the injury for Justin Schultz, when I watched it happen, I was thinking either broken ankle, ACL knee, or broken leg. And I think out of those three, if you ask most players, they'll say, I'll take the broken leg because the rehab isn't as bad. That's you know what that's that's a good point. Even though uh, uh, they're all pretty unpleasant, absolutely. Phil Bork joining us talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, who take on the Oilers tomorrow. Um, 
you know, look, uh, it, it's fun when the stars go together. You, you go against each other. You you played with one in your day, and I'm not talking about Rob Brown. I'm going to talk about Mario this time. Uh, <laughs> did you get did you get drawn into those games too? Was there a little bit extra? Do you think for Lemieux if he went up against Gretzky, or maybe you were shooting on Patrick Waugh or stuff like that? Tell me what that was like. You know what I find funny, Reed, is when you ask those players about those matchups, and you know, Sid will get asked tomorrow about going up against McDavid, and he'll kind of say, "Yeah, it's the Penguins versus the Oilers. We don't want to make it all that." Come on, you know, his nose is growing when he's saying that. Deep down, uh, they love to go up against each other because uh, to be at that elite level, not only do you have to be super talented and motivated, but you have to be highly competitive, more competitive than you could think of of any other mortal on the planet to be that great and that consistently great. And so that's going to be the marquee matchup. The whole hockey world is going to watch 87 and 97 and just hope they're on the ice at the same time and have end-to-end back-and-forth chances. That's what we really want to see. Well, and I'm going to be curious to see what they do with the matchups because it's not as if uh, the Penguins line is anything to scoff at, is it? No, but you know we don't have the same third-line center that we've had in the past. Uh, Derek Broussard is an outstanding hockey player, as we all know, but when you think of the Penguins' championship teams in the past, they've had you know Nick Benino or they've had Jordan Stahl. They've had that guy that has been a perfect fit on the third line that not only chipped in offensively but could shut down a Connor McDavid on any given night. So the Penguins are a little bit different in the way they're built now uh, where they don't necessarily try to out you so much, but they are definitely built on offense, and they have a as deadly a power play as anybody in the league. Number one last year at 26%. Yeah, well, and the Oilers are hoping that, that uh, their power play is a lot better. It has helped them win a couple games already this year. Hey, Phil, I know you just got in, and thanks for joining us on short notice, but I always love having you on the show. I will uh, likely see you at the morning skate. Thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah, make sure you say hello. I appreciate uh, coming on to the call, and uh, anytime, Reed. Good hockey time. Right on. That is Phil Bork checking in. Former Pittsburgh Penguin, now uh, analyst for the team. Always love having him on the show, and I uh, really appreciate that he uh, was able to fit us in just as he's rolling into Edmonton after the Penguins spent some time in Banff. We will take a timeout for the news. Blake Dermott breaking down the breakdown by the Edmonton Eskimos on Friday. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Eskimos on a bye. Oilers and Penguins tomorrow. 5.30 face-off show. Game starts at 7 here on 630 Chet. NHL tonight, the Blues lead the Jets 2-1 with six minutes left in the first period. After the first, Hurricanes up 1-0 on the Red Wings. Late in the second period, the Avalanche have a 2-0 edge on the Philadelphia Flyers. Still to come tonight, Washington is at Vancouver. The Capitals will be at Rogers Place on Thursday. Basketball at halftime, the Raptors' big first half, 62-47. Toronto in front of Charlotte. Kawhi Leonard with 15 points for the Raptors. And Monday Night Football, nine minutes into the game, no score between the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Former Edmonton Eskimo, now an analyst here on 630 Ched. It is Blake Dermott. Blake, thanks for making time for me tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. 
Yes, it's always great to talk to you. We have uh, done this after uh, the first show after every Eskimos game all season long. First half of the year, we were talking about a lot of victories. Uh, second half of the year, we have uh, been talking about uh, a, a lot of losses. Uh, Blake, uh, you played, and I talked to a lot of athletes past and present that talk about the effect of confidence on performance. The Eskimos haven't looked like a very confident team much for the last two months. No, and they, that I guess the thing that is a little bit mind-boggling is that they have played some pretty good games in the, in that span uh, against some pretty good teams, and uh, but they just haven't been able to keep that string, um, or at least get a string of good games together. And they, and uh, you know, it's it's really tough to decipher. Like usually, when a team is failing, they they will fail and they will continue to fail. And, and you know, the Eskimos we saw that last year with with their seven losses in a row. Uh, but I mean that was uh, due in part, in large part, because of a lot of injuries. They're, they're, they've had a couple of significant injuries this year uh, in, during this this uh, stretch of games. But but for the most part, you're you're going into when you compare to what they what they went through last year, they're going into games with with the same personnel that they had the game before. With one, or two, I think this this game, the only change was Jaguar came in, and uh, that was the only one uh, one one person in, and he's predominantly a special teams type of a player. So it was an insignificant uh, amount of changes, but then they go from how they played against Ottawa to how, how it turned out. I mean, in BC, they started out well, then they just, you know, the struggles are the third quarter. If they could play the, you know, the in, in the last eight games, I guess, the third and fourth quarters are where they just really are struggling. And, and uh, I'm sure everybody in that locker room is asking themselves questions, why is that happening? Yeah, well, and, and look, uh, you and I hear it all the time, and and look, I've been critical of Jason too. It, it's it's tough for Jason Moss. Uh, I got a half hour with him uh, coming up between seven thirty eight tonight. I'm sitting in for Morley from the coaches show uh, because of the schedule. Jason and I recorded this, so I tell you, he's going to go through some key plays in the game. He's going to talk about second halves. He's he's going to talk about why they didn't run the ball more and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, the, 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 he, he's he's aware of what's happening, um, but it hasn't been repaired. Whether that starts with him or some execution or whatever, we can we can debate all day long. But the the thing is, something isn't clicking, and and something hasn't been solved. And I'm not saying you win every game, Blake, but I mean, the crazy thing about the Espos is they most of their losses they've led at the half at the half, and they, and yeah. they haven't been able to close it out. Yeah, you know, and that, when I, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to know Jason a little bit over the last three years. Um, uh, it's not like we're going to be hunting buddies or anything like that, but I, I mean, I, ha- I have talked to him on a number of indi- uh, a number of occasions. We get an opportunity to talk with him every every week before games, and I'm not sure that there is there is a person, and any you know, uh, uh the coaching staff of Benavides the same way. I'm not sure that there is a a coach or a person in the league that works harder than those two guys. Um, so I, I don't think it's from a, a standpoint of, you know, them not having the knowledge or not having the effort put into what's going on with this team. So, so then then you start to you, you all of a sudden these coaches don't become bad coaches overnight. I mean these were these were guys that at the beginning of the season were you know uh, you know Benavides has, has turned his his group around. It's a little tougher with this defense because of the new faces that were there. Uh, but you know you lost all of your defensive linemen. You you know you had you had some injuries over the course of the year in your defensive backfield, uh, and and you know you got uh, J.C. Sherrod, who we didn't know how he was going to play after not playing a whole season. So 
So there was some more changes on the defensive side of the ball, and I think over the last eight, nine games, with the exception of this last game, I thought they have been playing very, very good football. I thought that group has been playing outstanding. And that's a credit to the coaches that are on that side of the ball and how much hard work they've done. And and the players have bought in. But on the offensive side of the ball, started out the season relatively good. You know, at the uh, five and two record beginning of the year, you know, they and then and then for some reason and we don't know what's happened, but but they're and they haven't had an an exorbitant amount of injuries. I mean a couple of guys are out of course uh uh, Darrell Walker hurts when he's not in the game, and and uh, there was some changes on the offensive line. But but this is a good group of players and a good talented group of uh, and I think coaches, and they don't, as I said, coaches don't get stupid overnight. And uh, so this, this leads me to believe that some of the issues and a lot of the problems are the result of what's going on in the locker room and the people that you have in the locker room. And 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 that doesn't mean the coaching staff because. If there are issues within this locker room, if there are players that have not bought into the system or are continually making those kinds of mistakes, you get rid of your coach and don't get rid of the players. The next coach comes in has got to deal with the same problem. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I would hate to see somebody lose their job because I think these are very competent people. And I know the people of Edmonton, and there's a lot of people of Edmonton there that are just, you know, we want this guy gone, and we want that guy gone, and Len Rhodes, and, you know, everybody. There's, there's nobody around the Eskimo organization, I'm sure there's people saying, we want that Big Mouth Dermot to be off the radio, too. There's probably, there's, there's things like that are going around. But the reality is that there's probably, you know, one or two things that need to be tweaked that haven't been done, and, and that could be as simple as it is. And uh, if, if, you have, if you have a problem within the locker room, that's got to be dealt with. I'm not saying that they do. But if you do, that's got to that's happen. And there's going to be changes every year. As I mentioned, uh, you know, after the game, in, when the Eskimos were winning five in a row, I remember Hugh Campbell saying that there is constant, you need to change your team about 15% over the course of a year, uh, from one year to the next, regardless of how good you are. And, and sometimes it's as high as 25%. So there's going to be changes. But to, to do a, uh, you know, one fell swoop, get rid of the coaching staff after, you know, the, uh, they just signed uh, uh, extensions and contracts. And the economic part of that uh, is, is what people don't understand. That is probably not very healthy with this club. Blake Dermott joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You know, you, you always warn me, Blake, about uh, uh, criticizing play calling because you always tell me you don't know if the play they ran was the play that the coach sent in, or if they got to run it the way they wanted to, because the defense is, is is trying hard, and 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 I, I'll tease a little bit of what Moss is going to say uh, in about an hour when I have him on the coach's show, is that you know Gable only had six carries on Friday. He said there were six or seven more running plays called that Riley checked out of at the line because he didn't think they were going to work. So that was some interesting insight there. But I do want to ask you, and again, we're not in the dressing room, so Jason and his staff have been criticized, though, for the second halves and for halftime adjustments. Now, again, we're not there. We don't know what the Eskimos are doing. We don't know exactly what the other team is doing. But from your experience as a player and as, as a coach with the, with the athletes you coach, how much can you actually adjust to and change uh, at halftime? Like, how much information can you give the players during the half and say, okay, forget about what we practiced all week. Now we got to do this. Well, you know, the, I, I, I was, uh, you know, thinking about that today and I, and I heard, uh, some, you know, I was listening to somebody talking about it and they were saying that, you know, especially nowadays with, with the way you've got the electronics right on the sidelines, like you can go right to the iPad and you can see what happened. You can make adjustments 
infinitely faster and better than what you know when, when we were playing because you only have 15 minutes 15 minutes to get into a locker room 15 minutes to come up with some brainstorm of this is what's going wrong and this is how we got to fix it but and, and there really was only half times that you could do those adjustments but coaches nowadays and players nowadays are adjusting immediately because they see something they can go back and look at the replay they can see what teams are doing they're making those adjustments so so to, to think that a coach is going to come in at halftime and come up with this wonderful, unique plan in about seven minutes that's going to you know, uh, rally the troops and win the day is probably not realistic. Uh, it's, it's just not something that happens nowadays like it probably only happened on a minimal uh, scale uh, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but these guys are making those adjustments. So when the adjustments are made and players can see the, the, uh, they can see the, the play right in front of them on, on real time, and, and they still are making mistakes, that tells me that it's got to be something more than potentially the coaching staff. Blake, what do you, uh, I mean, as, as an observer, or maybe you want to talk about what your experience would have been as a player, now, now you're helpless, right? I mean, the Eskimos may have been in last place for a couple of weeks, but at least we had, well, they control their own destiny to fall back on. Now we're in last place, and, and we don't have that to fall back on. we got to wait and see what happens with Winnipeg and Calgary. I mean, it's, it's kind of gut-wrenching. <laughs> like, it's, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I went through that once. My, my rookie season, I went through that. And uh, where our last game of the season was our bye, and we had to have Calgary lose to Winnipeg for us to get into the playoffs. And, and um, we had to come to practice every day. Uh, we watched a little bit of film. We, you know... Went outside and played games, and you know that kind. Of, but it was, it was tough because you, Saskatchewan hadn't won, I think, five games all year, and then they're going to go down and play Calgary, and it was, we knew that what was going to happen, but we still had to go through the motions. And, right. And there, and and lo and behold, Saskatchewan uh, uh, beat Calgary, and we were all of a sudden in the playoffs. Now the difference between that and this year is that it's Winnipeg got to play Calgary. Calgary is not. I mean, Calgary's the number one team in the league. Not, they haven't played like that in the last maybe three or four weeks because they've had some serious injuries. But I, I believe that they, the Stampeders are not going to – they're going to do whatever they can to not go into the playoffs losing three in a row. There is no way any team wants to go into the playoffs losing three in a row. So, so if anybody thinks that they're going to just rest people and go out there and, and go through the motions against Winnipeg, that's not the case. They're going to they're win this game. They, they have to win this game as much as, as, uh, as Winnipeg has to win this game. And having said that, I think Calgary has a real good chance of beating Winnipeg. So now, if if the things fall in line, I I, I believe when the chips are on, you know, when the chips are on the line here, and and uh, and, and it's it's for a one shot playoff uh, opportunity, I think the Eskimos are going to rally for that. We saw what they did against Ottawa. We saw what they did against Calgary when the games truly meant a whole lot, and and the end was right there in front of them. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting finish, and I, I would pick Calgary. I, I, I never pick Calgary, but I would pick Calgary to, to beat Winnipeg this weekend, and then uh, then it's going to be exciting, exciting last game of the season, and I think it'll be it'll go right down to the wire. I'd forgotten about that. 1983. Yeah, you guys in Calgary both finished eight and eight, tied for third. Edmonton would have had the tiebreaker, but yeah, if Calgary wins their last game, uh, you would have been fourth, and it would have been out. So yeah. there you go. Blake, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, it's It's been an interesting season nonetheless. Uh, actually, Oilers Brad texted in. He said, ha-ha, I don't want you kicked off the radio, Blake. Love listening to your logic. So there you go. You got one fan. There you go. <laughs> See, and I'm not even related to him. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Dermott texting in. No, thanks a lot, Blake. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks a lot, Reed.
All right, uh, good stuff from Blake. Uh, and Well, I, I agree with uh, Oilers' Brad texting in. Blake's always very uh, level-headed, very logical. He clearly sees uh, some problems with the team, uh, as, as we all do. We can uh, debate what the problems are or, or how heavily or which ones the, the main ones are. But it hasn't been a, a good last uh, eight games for the Eskimos by any means, and they finished their road schedule just 2-7. and seven. Meanwhile, it was victory for the Edmonton Huskies, a thriller, an absolute classic. We'll talk to a young man who played in the game when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. It was the classic Sunday afternoon at Commonwealth Stadium Prairie Junior Football Conference semifinal. The Edmonton Huskies outlasting the Regina Thunder 39-36 in overtime. The Huskies advance to the league final. They'll visit the the Saskatoon Hilltops this coming Sunday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning into Inside Sports and I'm pleased to welcome Edmonton Huskies linebacker O'Shane Samuels to the show. O'Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, doing very well. Thanks for making time for me tonight. Uh, I mean, has it has it sunk in? What a wild and crazy game that was yesterday. Oh, man, I'm still taking it all in right now. It, it was uh, just a game filled with emotions going up and down, emotionally and physically, but it was an awesome fight. Kudos to Regina for giving us a fight. But I'm so excited for our team to take the victory. All right. You guys were down 12-3 at the half, so it wasn't a very high-scoring game. And then it was 33-33 going into overtime. You know, I was just talking to Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, about halftime adjustments. What did you guys talk about at halftime yesterday? Well, Coach Coach Ian, he prepped us to just keep fighting. Like, we we just needed a break. Like, we we needed to get over the edge, and I think... I I was just luckily I was lucky to put in to be in that opportunity to be there to make one big play just to get us over that hump to get us going offensively and defensively. So I'm just happy for what the coach Ian his remarks halftime. He told us to keep going, keep fighting. We're just right there. We just can't break down. So he just gave us a heads up to keep on fighting. All right, so Shane, you're you're a linebacker. Right, and you scored two touchdowns in this in the yeah. second half. I mean, a lot yeah. of defensive <laughs> players would be thrilled to get two touchdowns in a career. Oh, uh, you oh, got man. two and a half. Tell us how it happened. Oh, it was just the best. And the first one, uh, my good brother on the field with me, Brandon Mellon, he tackled him. Uh, he had him up, and I just seen the ball there loose. I was like, you know what? Might as well try to go for it, get some points on the board. And then I went for it. I stripped it out, went on the floor, and then took it home with my boy Vince leading me on the way. So I got to help on that first one a lot with my teammates. And on the second one, uh, it was a punt. And I think he dro- he just dropped the punt. And one of my teammates went for it. And I think he missed it. So the ball was the ball was still going down the field. So I was just, you know what? I'm going to just go down and try to do my best and get it for the team. And then I just scooped it up and I took it to the house. And it was a very excited moment for our team there. And didn't you guys also have a kick return for a touchdown? Yes, we did. Wow. Brooklyn, okay. man. He took one to the house, and it was a huge one for us. Very proud of him. Very proud of him. All right, so you got you got three return touchdowns all in the right. second half. It's 33-33. Tell us what happened at the end of regulation, O'Shane. Oh, man, at the end of regulation, 33-33, defense was on, and we needed to block a kick. We needed to block a kick. 
so they wouldn't win the game. So we put on our block defense, and Shaden, um, he just made a huge play and stopped it. He blocked the kick and then gave the offense back the ball, and then we did a great job offensively to pound it and get it in. Great job. All right. Well, an incredible game. Obviously, you, you figure it out and, and win it in overtime. Doesn't get any easier, though, does it? Give us a scouting reporter on the Hilltops who you'll face oh, in the league my. final on Sunday. Yeah, Hilltops really know how they do what they're doing down and dirty. But I think Coach Ian and the coaching staff is going to prepare us to get ready for this game. We already know this is our last game. So the Huskies will be giving, us, giving them everything we got. We won't be taking them easy, but we'll be giving them everything we got. Oh Shane, we worked on. We'll be doing it. Oh Shane, this is your th- your third year with the Huskies. Uh, tell us a little bit about joining the team. I know we talked briefly this afternoon, and weren't you kind of away from you know tackle football for a while? Yes, right. Uh, when I came to Edmonton three years ago, my plan well coming here, I, I didn't really want to come here. Actually, I was forced by my parents, but um, I put down the cleats. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to school get a diploma and go from there. But then I played flag football with a couple of friends and a former coach of the Edmonton Huskies. It was like, hey, man, you still got talent. You could play. I was like, you know what? I, I packed it up. I put the cleats down. I didn't want to play anymore. And then, you know what? One day I just decided to get back on the field and, like, you know, let me just give this one more shot. And then from there on, Coach Ian, he took me in and he just led me on since since then till now, it's just been straight success on the football field and all, and I'm just happy for that. Where were you living before you came here? I was living in Toronto, Ontario. Okay, and you, now you said your parents forced you to move here. Are you exaggerating yeah. a little bit? Like, what happened? Yes, I am exaggerating. Well, with <laughs> the house was being gone. For, well, the, my dad came here first, and then he decided to put the house up for rent. So my mom followed, and then I'm the baby in the family, so I had no choice but to come. So... Yes, I followed, and then, but it's it's only been good here in Edmonton. I, I love the city. I love being here, and it's been very good to me. Well, O'Shane, congratulations on the the two touchdown performance on the Huskies getting the win. I know you're back at practice uh, tomorrow, and you'll put this one behind you and look ahead to the championship game. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Great to be on tonight. Thank you so much. That is O'Shane Samuels checking in, linebacker for the Edmonton Huskies. Man, what? A lot of energy, a lot of positivity. Hope the Huskies keep rolling in the league final against the Hilltops. That was awesome to talk to O'Shane. We're coming up to the 7 o'clock news. You can call 780-496-0063, text 630-630. Kelly Rudy still ahead. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.